Welcome in to the Wednesday Bible study. Uh, we are so thankful that you are here, no matter where you are watching and or listening. Welcome back. Uh, we've got, of course, uh, the live option, which happens on the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel. You can go to rickandbubba.com, click on the YouTube channel. Uh, those of you that catch it live uh, or even watch it archived on the YouTube channel, will you be sure and subscribe to that? That is something that helps us going forward to get uh, those numbers. I think we're within uh, just a few thousand subscribers of getting that that silver button of over 100,000 subscribers. So if you're somebody that's regularly on the YouTube channel but you haven't subscribed to it, go ahead and click that uh, so you can be counted uh, in those that, that enjoy this. So there's a live option on YouTube at noon central, 1 o'clock eastern, uh, most every Wednesday, and then there's the archive option on your own time. And Adler gets that put together uh, not only to our YouTube channel but also to our podcast channel uh, most every uh, day, uh, most every Wednesday within an hour of us doing it live. Okay, so another thing, if you're looking for past Bible studies, maybe you're in the Revelation with us, that's where we are today again, and you're like, I, I, I miss some of these, uh, uh, you can go to themanchurch.com, themanchurch.com, there's a media button, click on that, it'll drop down. You can either watch the archives or listen to the archives. It's up to you, you can search through those. You can really go back, I talked to a guy over the weekend uh, he said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Revelation, but I, I've gone back and I've picked up the pursuit of holiness because it's something I needed to work on. So there's, a, there, any, there's topics galore. There's books of the Bible. There's, it, it, there, it's a lot. Uh, and you can find all those by going to themanchurch.com as far, as far as archives. So let's talk about some things uh, going forward that you need to know about. At themanchurch.com, if you go there right now, we are a men's discipleship strategy resource. Uh, we provide individual uh, resources for men to to read on their own and study or to do that with their sons. Uh, we also have a 40-week curriculum. Uh, we now have, and we've learned how to say this, did y'all know that the plural of curriculum is curricula? Did y'all know that? We now have four 40-week curricula, and uh, and you can find those at themanchurch.com. And our, our latest one is now out. It's now out. It's called Impact. Uh, it is based off Second Peter chapter one. Uh, and uh, if you uh, are, are church that's been doing this for a while with us, uh, or you've got another Bible study with men that are, I would not. If you have never done a small group setting in your church, I would not suggest starting with Impact. Uh, but if you have been on, doing ongoing going studies, either our curricula or you've been doing your own Bible studies and you think these are men that are pretty mature in their faith and they're looking to take that next step, then, then impact would be great. Uh, but, uh, but it is available for those of you that are looking for the next curriculum or you are just looking for one that is a little more advanced, okay? So, But we have four, uh, and, and they're all there, and we'll continue to add to those every year at themanchurch.com. We also feature speakers and teachers going out where we do events and we do services. Uh, we do conferences, and if you'd like to look where our men are going to be, go to themanchurch.com, hit events, and you'll see them at, uh, at various options. Rich Wingo will be speaking in Mobile, Alabama at West Mobile. They'll be doing a breakfast on May the 20th. So make a note of that. Uh, I'll also be going to uh, – there's others that are coming up. I'm headed to the Gridiron Men's Conference uh, coming up on Father's Day weekend. So if you'd like to find out more about that, just go to gridironmen.com. I'm excited to be with Mike Pence and uh, Robert Jeffress and also uh, David Jeremiah uh, with a few other speakers as well, Charles Billingsley doing worship. That will be in Huntsville, Alabama. So make a note of that. And if you're looking for a great Father's Day gift, we have a brand-new resource uh, that is for individual men called Transformed. And if you'd like a signed copy of that uh, for the dads on your Father's Day list, it's a 31-day journey uh, taking on the topic of denying self and embracing the power of God. It asks the question, have you been transformed by Christ? Uh, signed copies are available. If you go to themanchurch.com and go to our store, look for that banner right at the top that says signed copy of Transform. Click on that. That's where the signed copies are. So let's open up in a word of prayer, and let's get ready to jump into the Revelation chapter 10. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, Lord, we, we, just, uh, we have so many things uh, to pray about. Uh, we'll never be able to list them all. You're aware of each and every one of them. But I do want to take one of our regular members uh, that, that usually is in the room with us, uh, Steve Grissett. Uh, Steve is uh, having, having to have a cardio procedure done. Uh, Lord, I pray that those doctors will work through that uh, flawlessly. 
that they'll get his heart back into proper rhythm uh, and he'll have, um, you know, uh, he'll realize how, how much better he's going to feel when his heart's working right. So, uh, Lord, I pray that you be with all those that you've gifted so much. Uh, be with us now as we get ready to unpack and consume uh, Revelation 10 and this incredible vision uh, that you allowed John to see. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's go to the Revelation chapter 10, and let's kind of figure out what's going on here. So we we really just had a, a conversation moments ago, some of the guys, we've been talking about this. It is a question that, that it's not a new question, but it is a question that has always kind of perplexed mankind. Why is God letting this evil go on? Why, why is he tolerating this? Um, why, you know, you hear this all the time, and remember I talked about this uh uh, a couple of weeks, uh, in the last couple of weeks. L- let's come off the, if God doesn't wipe out America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Uh, can, can, can we drop that? We're not going to get away with this. As we said, as we've been talking about, Sodom and Gomorrah's punishment is coming on all the earth, including the United States of America. There's no need for God to apologize because it is coming. But why is he waiting? And, and it's really simple. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Uh, he is slow to anger. Now, as we'll see in, when we get to the seventh trumpet, that doesn't mean he never angers. He's slow to anger. And the seventh trumpet will begin the end to all who have mocked, rebelled against, scoffed, agnostics, atheists, uh, uh, blaspheming pagan religions. All of these people who have mocked the one and only living God their time is coming to an end, uh, and, uh, and 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 everybody is going to see who God is, and everybody, as Scripture tells us, will kneel, and everybody will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and God is who he says he is, and he is the one and only living God and the only one that rules all heaven and earth. All who oppose him, human and supernatural, will be eradicated. And the Lord Jesus, as Peter says, will rule with an iron rod. And we studied that when we studied the epistles uh, of Peter. Chapter 10 is going to show us the opening events of the—this This is the interlude. Now, we're not, we're not going to get into the bowls today, B-O-W-L-S, but this is that interlude in preparation for the final trumpet. So the final trumpet, we're not going to see it this week, what's going to happen, because that's going to go on for months uh, all the different bowls and all that. But what you're seeing today is six trumpet is over. There's a transition. John's going to get a new vision. And this is almost like this vision right now and this chapter, what we call chapter 10 of the Revelation, is John is is being is getting prepared for what's next and, and what this is going to mean. So we start uh, with a mighty angel. Now there's much discussion about the mighty angel. So let's look through chapter 10, uh, verse 1 uh, through 2a. Then I saw, and this is the key to to all the different theories about this. you got to pay attention to every single word, okay? Stay with me. Then I saw another mighty angel. Make note of that. That's important. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. Now we're going to get into 2A, not the whole 2, but 2A. He had a little scroll open in his hand. Okay? I saw, that means it's a new vision, and it seems this mighty angel uh, that John seems to be encountering um, this is an angel that it appears, everything that, that, that John is saying, this is an angel he's seeing for the very first time. He's, he hasn't seen this one before. Now, there are people, and so just know this if you study the different commentaries, some people think this is Jesus. Um, I think the case that this is Jesus biblically isn't as strong uh, as the case is that it's not, and, and I'll tell you why. Some of the reasons that this likely isn't Jesus is um, this word another that I told you to hang on to. Uh, This is the Greek word allos, A-L-L-O-S. That means another of the same kind. Now, do you follow why that's important? He's already been seeing angels 
And what he's saying is this isn't something other than those angels. It's just one of those I've never seen before. It's, it's a new one of that bunch. So first of all, God, uh, that, that's, that's key. Uh, John, uh, you know, probably wouldn't use another word. Uh, he wouldn't use, he wouldn't describe Christ as another of the same kind. So you see, you see starting to fall apart a little bit. So, so that, that, and also Jesus, uh, uh, you know, has appeared to John. Uh, and every time that Jesus has appeared to John, he always gives him a title that is unmistakable. Uh, we saw this, I mean, y'all should know this. We, we've gone through 10 chapters and we see that he's been called faithful witness, king of kings, son of man, the first and the last, uh, the living one, son of God, he who is holy and true, the amen. Uh, he's been called the lamb of God. Uh, and there's even more throughout all the letters to the churches and, and all the things he saw right out of the gate. So it is not likely that this is Jesus because John doesn't give him one of the, any of the many titles that he's already given to Jesus. And he's saying that this is an angel that is like angels I've already seen. I just haven't seen this particular one. Uh, the Old Testament calls Jesus the angel of the Lord. That, we do have that. Uh, but nowhere in the New Testament is he ever called an angel. I take a note of that, too. That's important. Um, strong angels uh, who, uh, you know, we, we, we know that, um, that it is a powerful angel. We're going to learn that in a big way. Uh, but um, w- when these powerful angels have appeared throughout Scripture, because this is another one of the arguments that I don't think holds up, well, I mean, it, it, it's, it's giving this angel all kinds of power. Well, we've seen in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament angels that were extremely powerful. I mean, people were terrified. Uh, um, and when they encountered him, uh, and and so um, so that that's another reason. Uh, and then um, if if you it, we'll get down to to verses five and six, and that's going to give away that it's not Jesus, because you're going to see this angel take an oath. Hey, Jesus don't have to take oaths, okay? So that that also rules out that it's that it that it's uh, that it likely rules out that it's Jesus. It also says that this angel came from heaven to earth. That means Jesus would have had to do that twice. Okay, so so again, you see how that this is Jesus is kind of falling apart a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that that we know for sure because we don't, but I think if you were going to sit down and go, I wonder which one of these uh, points of view I think stands up strongest biblically, the one that stands up strongest because of all the reasons I just gave you is this angel is not Jesus. Okay. Now, is that important? Not really, because of what's about to happen. But that has been one of the things that everybody uh, has discussed. Angels can be quite glorious. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if you don't believe that, just ask our brother Daniel. Uh, you know, when you look in Daniel chapter ten, if you want to write this down, five and six, I- I'll tell you this angel that, that that Daniel encounters. He's no slouch. Okay, uh, and he says that, he, and he doesn't. He ain't looking at Jesus. He says uh, that the the body that this angel had was like burl. That's that's that jewel that almost it has almost an overwhelming uh, look to it. Um, it, it, and it, it. He had a face like lightning. He had eyes like torches. His arms and feet like polished bronze. His words sounded like violent commotion, a ruckus, a roar. Now th- this this is not the pre incarnate Jesus due to the fact that he also, this same angel, before you start saying that, well, wait a minute, Rick, this might have been Jesus in the Old Testament. No, because this same angel tells Daniel he needs Michael's help. Jesus doesn't need Michael's help. Now, Michael, according to Jude, needs Jesus' help, but Jesus does not need Michael's help. This angel does. But But he's still pretty glorious, and he's pretty mighty, and he's pretty strong. And if you remember, what did Daniel say? When I saw these angels I encountered, when I saw this, and for a moment I just felt like I was dead. I couldn't function. Have you ever been so terrified you can't even get your faculties, you can't make your hands do what they need to do? I, I saw this in a, in a prank that went bad one time, and, uh, and, and, I, and I saw a friend of mine who could not remember how to drive a four-wheeler. And he, he said, I just kept popping a wheelie in first gear. It's like I couldn't, I was so terrified I couldn't make my hands do what I knew to do. And, and Daniel says that when he saw this angel, he had a similar experience. Um, so let's look at the next thing about this angel. Now that we've established uh, that, that a mighty angel that would be overwhelmingly 
powerful is not abnormal with it with it still not being Jesus. Okay, so he's clothed with a cloud, uh, wrapped wrapped with a cloud, and and anytime you see this in scripture, it symbolizes his power, his majesty, his glory, uh, and and it also, if you look, clouds throughout scripture at many times, and it does in this time. This is always a sign that God is bringing judgment. Okay. Many times it's God bringing judgment. Uh, clouds are associated with judgment. I, I mean, if I gave you the list, I, it's a very long list, but I, if you want to cross-reference, go back to Revelation 1 and look at verse 7. Ahead we'll see it in, in the Revelation chapter 14, 14 through 16, you'll see clouds representing judgment. Uh, I told everybody in here to study Matthew 24. Have you all? Matthew 24 talks about this in verse 30, Jesus talking about it. Uh, Mark talks about it in Mark 13, 26, Mark 14, 62. Luke talks about it uh, also in Luke 21, verse 27. So when he says this angel was was wrapped in a cloud, uh, this is showing his majesty, it's showing his power, but it's also showing judgment. A rainbow upon his head. Now, this this does reflect God's glory and, and, and God's splendor. Uh, if you'll go back to the Revelation 4, you'll see a rainbow reference, what, around the throne uh, in Revelation 4-3. Uh, it surrounds God or encircles God's throne. So well, where the clouds that we see the angel wrapped in represents judgment, the rainbow, as we know from Genesis, represents his mercy. And, and what you're going to see, and we keep seeing it, even when judgment has elevated to this place, God is still, until, until Jesus rides out on that white horse, he still has just little opportunities of mercy and grace are still being dropped in the middle of all this. So this angel is reminding us that judgment is, is, is increasing, but mercy has not completely left yet. We knew that in the flood. Here, mercy uh, within judgment, meaning no matter how bad it gets, especially dealing with 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 the 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 people of Israel, the covenant promise of mercy still will stand in the middle of all this. They will be given an opportunity. So, face like the sun. This angel's face was like the sun. It's brilliant. It, it's radiant glory. It's lighting up the earth. When he sees this, he's really giving us a vision that when this angel starts coming down from heaven, his face is so bright. It's like the noonday sun. He's illuminating everything. Uh, and and then feet like pillars of fire. Now, this means firm and immovable. And I love this one. Pillars of fire as his legs. You know what he's saying? He said, I'm looking at this, and I love this. And what I see is unbending holiness. They're just pillars of fire. That's what his legs look like. But also the fact that it's his legs, it also means he'll be stamping out the judgment of God onto the earth. Fire that will consume the ungodly, all who oppose God. Let's go to verse 2. Verse 2, and I gave you the first part of that, he had a little scroll open in his hand. Now, the little scroll or, or book, many have argued that due to its size, this is a different scroll from the one in chapter 5. Again, that's not going to hold up. Likely what we see here is that John is is being shown a vision? Remember, this is a vision of future events, and and uh, you know, some of you that may be familiar with ten, we're going to have a really interesting thing happen here. What we're seeing is the vision is now taking this scroll that that calls for thirty minutes of of silence in heaven when it opened. It's now being represented as looking small now, and the reason why it's looking small is John is going to be told to eat it. And so this this is setting up that moment. It's it's another description of the same scroll, uh, and and John's going to be told to eat it. So now it has a, a look like it could be put in his mouth and consumed. Um, and and the and the scroll is open. So this is a continuation 
uh, it's it's now the fully unrolled scroll of chapter five, verse one. It's not a different scroll. It's just now. It's it's since we're getting down to the seventh trumpet. It's completely unrolled now, uh, and now the terrors that are to come can plainly be seen. So let's look at two B now and go through three. And he set his right foot, talking about the angel, he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring when he called out the seven thunders sounded. Can you imagine this scene? So the foot on the sea and the land, you you understand, You keep in mind that, that John says, I got an angel coming down now I ain't seen yet. Okay, so thinking that's where they would say it, where I was from. So, so what he's saying now is he had one foot on the sea and another one on the land. This angel's massive. He's massive in size. And this shows God is sovereign to judge the entire earth, not just some of it. Uh, and, and how about this? He will soon take it back from Satan. 1 Corinthians 10, 26, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. This also anticipates the judgment coming on the whole earth. So then you hear called out in verse 3, called out with a loud voice like a lion. Now, this one we should know from all the references to lions throughout Scripture and the roar of a lion. Some of you may be familiar with this if you watch animal documentaries, but it is said that a male lion, that his roar can be heard for five miles when he when he's marking his territory. What we have here is the roaring like a lion of God, once again, wanting the, everyone to know it all belongs to me. I rule over all of this. And, and it's the power and majesty of God. Jeremiah 2530 says the Lord will roar from on high. Hosea says the Lord will roar like a lion. Indeed, he will roar. Hosea 11.10, Joel 3.16, the Lord roars from Zion. Amos 1, 2, and 3, 8, there was a loud judgment cry. So this is not something new. The prophets have been talking about this. That that you know, and, and what and what do we call Jesus from the tribe of Judah? We say he is the Lion of Judah. Now, I don't want you to think that there's anything chaotic about this. It's not incoherent. It's clear. But what 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 John wants us to know about the loudness of this, and you know, I don't know, how, I don't know everybody's daddy in here, or what your relationship is, or if you have any relationship with your daddy. But my daddy had a distinctive roar. Uh, that that it, it was, there could be chaos going on, and all he had to do was, hey, and give us one of those. And everybody went, mm, and they went to him, and it was amazing how loud it would be. And, 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 and it was one of those things that I remembered so clearly is, and, and it's a, an emotional thing, but, you know, and I think it, every every son wants to hear this. But when when my dad, you know, we I love my daddy, and and he he's he's not flawless, but you know, there there's that there's that that realization of what does it really mean to be a man. You know, that's why most of our curriculum is around the the question how to be a man, and you know, and and certainly as Burgesses, we're taught to be tough, and you don't let people run over you, and you. You you got to have a work ethic and you got to do this and you you take care of your family and da, 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 and all that all those good things. But my dad was there when I gave the eulogy for my youngest son when he died his earthly death. I'll never forget this, especially now that uh, that he has Alzheimer's. This was before any of that. And I was being moved off the the platform of the church and I was being moved through the church to like a fellowship hall where you know they would have food and. And you know your your family and friends can come and tend to you while you're grieving, and so as they were moving me, I knew he was somewhere in the church, and he was sitting near where the rest of the family was. But they were moving me away from where he was, and 
and, and the way it was working, he couldn't catch up to me. He was going to, but he, he, he wanted to say this in that moment as soon as the eulogy was over, and I heard it. Hey! And I turned around, and I remember looking at him, and he pointed at me and he said, now that's a man. But, but he used that, that authoritative voice to be sure you need to turn and listen to me. And this is what's happening right now is that God is, is using this mighty angel to speak to the entire world with the ultimate voice of authority. And the earth needs to listen to catch the attention, but you know what else? To do what my daddy could do, to cause fear. The good kind of fear. The fear that saves your life. The fear that represents true wisdom. He's telling the earth, I am to be feared. And, and my time of tolerating all this is running out. So then he talks about seven thunders. Now this is going to be, and we're going to have some thunder stuff before we're done today. That you'll, it's going to be with, it's going to stay with you the rest of the day. So anyway, so I hope. So anyway, so he he said that he put his his foot on the sea and his and, and left on the land and then called out with a loud voice. We talked about that like a lion roaring. We talked about that when he called out. The seven thunders sounded. Of course, we all know about seven, right? Seven thunders. Uh, this is uh, God's number for completeness, perfection. Finality. God has been represented by thunder many times in Scripture. Many, many times in Scripture. Uh, Exodus 9.23, uh, God sent thunder. 1 Samuel 7.10, the Lord thundered with a great thunder against the Philistines to confuse them. Isaiah 29.6, from the Lord of hosts you will be punished with thunder, earthquakes, and loud noises. Paul writes to Thessalonica in chapter 7 of 1 Thessalonians, cry out for vengeance and judgment upon the sinful earth. The thunder is separate from the voice of the angel. It's not the same thing. So who's the thunder? It's not the angel anymore. That's God. Now, when we get to four, this is when we're about to, we're going to really, I mean, I have thought about this all week long. Four. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you have even the least bit of curiosity as a human being, I mean, your mind is like, why can't he write it down? All John's being told through this revelation is write this down, write this down, write this down, write this down. All of a sudden, John gets his, gets his, gets his pen. He said, all right, I got what the, what the angel said. Oh, God's speaking through thunder. I'm going to write what God said in the thunder. And John said, don't write that down. I mean, Scott says, John, don't write that down. Why? Why, why, why can't we know? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It, 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 it's, it's, he was told in the Spirit back in chat. You know, when, when John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And so, and he's telling us that onward. And, and so, this is what he thinks he should do. He's been writing stuff down throughout this revelation, and God tells him not to write this. No one knows why he was not allowed to write it. I'm sorry. Maybe one day God will tell us. He may or may not. But some, because we can't help it as human beings, we have to throw out an opinion, an opinion on it. Some have theorized it was just too ter- it was just too terrifying. But that God said, "Look, I, I, because let me tell you what God will do. He will delve out what we can handle. And I will tell you this: there's many times." That that is in my life, okay. If there's something like we said last week, Elizabeth Elliot said, if God's providing for your needs and you don't have it, that means you don't need it, okay. 
Well, there are many times you're like, why doesn't God allow me to do blank? Or why doesn't God allow me to know this? Or why am I not getting to do that? And many times it's because you can't handle it. And God knows it. So he, 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 in this moment, God is saying, I, 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 don't, think that, I don't think that can be handled. I'm, this is going to be, John, you heard it. I did it. We're gonna, this is just going to be between us. And, and Daniel 8.26 was also shown future events that he was forbidden to record. Paul was taken up into the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12.4, and he was not allowed to speak of it. So this is not unprecedented. Okay? These words of the peals of thunder... Now, this is, this is the thing you're going to carry with you, and these are these things that just put chills on me, but also just, uh, you just start thinking. The words of the peals of thunder are the only words in the Revelation that are sealed that we're not allowed to know. Deuteronomy 29.29 may give us some insight. Deuteronomy 29.29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God but the things revealed belong to us and our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law. So apparently there's secret things that are just God's. And you know what? It's back to faith and trust. If he doesn't want us to know what was said in the pills of thunder, then that was right. Whatever he declares secret, like with Daniel, like with Paul. And and I and I almost think here I go, so I'm gonna weigh in. I bet y'all are really standing by for this wisdom. But but anyway, but when you think about Paul, what he saw, you think about what Daniel saw, you think about all John is being allowed to see. I do believe that there is some credibility that there are just things. You remember Jesus sometimes would be asked questions by his disciples, and he would tell them the words I would have to use. You don't know what they mean. You, you're, you're too limited to grasp what I, what I would need to tell you, so let's move on. And I think in these cases, I don't think Paul would have been adequate enough to describe what he saw. I don't think Daniel would have been adequate enough to describe what he saw. And in this moment, I think he realizes that John's not adequate enough. Even if God tried to explain it and wanted them to then pass that on to us, they weren't able to do it. There's a little Calhoun County for you, and it's it's not worth a lot. Uh, but I think that at least have it, that's that logical mind of mine trying to look at some logic of it. So anyway, so let's move on. Verses 5 through 7. I know that right then you're like, oh, Rick has discovered somewhere what the pills of thunder said. I haven't, because if John wasn't going to get to know it, I don't guess Rick's going to get to know it either. Okay, so uh, so verses 5 through 7. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created hev- heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, there would be no more delay. But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants and prophets. Okay, this is another one, like I told you on the list, this is the reason why many people do not believe this is Jesus, because he's taking a vow. Uh, The angel takes a vow. Uh, What he's saying there is what I'm about to say is of the utmost importance. Importance. Now, some people say, hey, you're not supposed to take vows. The Bible says that. No. The only vows that are forbidden in Scripture are those that are lies. Or you're deceiving somebody. What it says is don't take a vow, then not do it. If the mighty angel from heaven makes a vow, we, we're okay with it. Because he wants us to know that, hey, I'm about to give you stuff, and it's going to go just like I said. The angel stresses God's sovereign power over all things. Notice who he's taking the vow and acknowledging. The beginning and the end is, I'm about to say a message from the beginning and the end, uh, and you know what the specific message is? No more delay. 
y'all 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 are about to stop with all the I wonder when. Hey, hey, saints who've been martyred, you can stop with the how long. What I'm here to tell you is there's no more delay. The final judgment of the world is about to begin. There'll be no more waiting. Days. Now, this trumpet, when he says days, this is not a little while. I mean, it is on the grand scheme of things, but for, for misery, it's not. The trumpet is going to be over. When it sounds and we start taking these bowls and we start pouring them out, that's going to go on for months. So this is not this thing. This thing going to be quick like these other trumpets or the riders. This is going to go on for a while. You see, we're only in Revelation ten. I mean, we, we, we've got we got eleven more chapters that we're going to be rolling through as these things pour out. So the seven, um, you know, the, talking about the the, the seven. Um, uh, souls. I mean, I'm sorry. The um, the seven uh, bowls are going to be weeks and months unfolding. The seventh trumpet will be the final judgment. So there'll be no more trumpets after this. The angel is saying that all the mystery of God. Don't you love this? All the mystery of God is about to be cleared up. Everything we've been talking about, all the things the prophets have said, all the things Jesus said, all these things you've been hearing. It's all about to be done. It's all going to be fulfilled. Everything's going to be cleared up. Everything he's been saying, everything they've been saying, inspired by him, is going to come to fulfillment. The mystery preached, I didn't have all the details, uh, it, but how about this? This problem of a lack of clarity involving heaven and earth is about to be resolved. All the preaching, all the teaching is about to be revealed and fulfilled. You know what's good news? You won't ever have to be told by some of us that are limited, I'm sorry, I just don't know. It's all going to be cleared up. And uh, and that, to me, is something to truly get prepared for, to celebrate, finally. So remember what Paul said, right now I see things and I see them dimly because of my finite mind and my, my flesh, but the day is coming, and this is the day he's talking about. The day is coming when I'll see it all crystal clear. It will no longer be in part. It'll be fully. Verses 8 through 11. Then the voice that I'd heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll, and he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Wow, what a scene here. So from heaven, the same voice that had forbid him to write what was in the thunder said to John, I don't want you to just be a, 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 your audience right now. I want you to become active in this vision. You're not just going to observe anymore. Go, this is action, go take that scroll from the angel. So now God's talking to him. Go take the scroll and then take it and eat it it's going to be sweet as honey, but it's going to be bitter to the stomach. And, and so what does that mean? Well, it means that, that God is good, and I taste of the Lord, and he is good. The Lord is always right. The, the Lord is perfect. Whatever he's about to do is right. And what I just said, the mysteries are all going to be resolved. There's going to be clarity. Uh, clarity. Uh, evil is going to be removed from this planet. Uh we're going to, I'm going to take the earth back from Satan. I will, I will rule over a new heaven and a new earth in perfection. All of that is what this is going to accomplish. And you probably already know this, but for those of you that may not, so why was it hard to digest? Because what it was going to take is sickening. It's hard. It's awful. What's about to happen to these people? 
It'll be sweet in your mouth, but it'll be hard to digest. That scroll. And I guess we've all had not near as catastrophic. We we have these things in, in our lives where people can say, look, I, we can resolve the problem, but you're not going to like the process. I mean, think about surgery sometimes. Think about things that, that rehab. Um, these things sometimes are awful. But you're trying to get to a place where you'll be better. But the process of getting there is ugly. I mean, I, I, I look at this, I mean, and I think about those final some that will still, and we'll see them, that will still eventually repent um, I remember learning this from my pastor when he was teaching me about difficulty. And it was one of those things that I, I have seen true is there are things in our own lives and there are things in the lives of people you know and there are things in the lives of people that you don't even know that the ugliness and the difficulty and the pain and the suffering that you may have to endure, that there's things in your life and in my life and things in their life that aren't going to happen any other way. I wish that wasn't true, don't you? But it just is. And the sweetness is you're going to come around, they're going to come around, but the hard to digest is, but it's going to be an ugly road. And I've gone to people that I love and I have gone to them over and over again and people that have come into my world and I will say, please, he loves you so much, he'll do anything he has to do to give you your best shot. And when something is allowed to happen, go ahead and submit and say, I got it. You have my attention because he loves you enough that he'll keep on trying to get it. And there's some people here at the very end that are going to to get it. And unfortunately, it appears this is the only way they're ever going to do it. And, um, and I can say when people say, do you ever get bitter with God because of the difficulty that you have been allowed to go through and I always say no. And I, I'm not just saying that because it's the right thing to say. That's honestly my heart. I, I, I hate that I'm so sinful that this is what it takes. I wish that wasn't the case. And so I just get mad at sin because sin always matters. So this is symbolic, of course, that he's taking and consuming of God's word. And you know the thing that I think we all fall guilty of? I know I have, so I won't assume you have. I know I have. What what he's also saying, and I'm holding up a copy of God's word for those of you that are not watching, what he's saying is walk over here and you eat it all. Not just some of it. I, I'm sorry, God, I don't like English peas. No, I want you to eat the whole plate. English peas represent parts of the Bible you don't like. Things that God has done and is doing that you don't like. You know what he's saying? You go ahead and eat all of it. You take me for who I am, not who you would like for me to be. Because you're the one that's flawed, it's not me. And what I'm going to do through difficulty sometimes, many times, I'm going to break you from trying to make me something, God talking, that you're more comfortable with and your version of me that is more palatable. And I'm going to get you to consume everything about me and you will finally discover that the change that needs to be made here is not in me, God speaking, it's in you. Let me make you something I'm more comfortable with as opposed to you trying to make me something you're more comfortable with because that road is going to lead to destruction. 
it's it's just like, and I've had, I've had to go a long way with this, and I'm not being legalistic because it is an ongoing struggle with me, and that is my physical health, my physical struggle with being a glutton and being uh, not treating my body with discipline. This is not about earning salvation or anything like that. It doesn't mean there's a BMI where everybody's got to get to. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about dealing with sin in my life. And even recently, I'm having some success, praise God, and, and, and my, my intent is to continue that. But I don't know what's ahead, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't make bold statements because I know that God looks at me every time I make one and says, we'll see. And, uh, but, I will, but I will say this. There is no way, no way under the sun to get in physical condition that God is pleased with without discipline, sacrifice, and discomfort. It just doesn't exist. And it can be hard to digest, but oh, the results of it. The results of finally after years of me trying to be bold for Christ and the emails and the comments. I noticed you've skipped the part about gluttony. And I had. I noticed you've, you've skipped the parts about not being disciplined, about God's temple, your body. I noticed you're neglecting those parts. I always thought it'd be funny in my early days of talking when I was completely out of control with my food and overeating and gluttonous and lazy I thought Babylon B would have been would have had a funny headline on me. Rick and Bubba talk about the six deadly sins. They left one out, and uh, and and so um, so I finally had to realize that this there was no easy way, and there would have to be sacrifice, and there would have to be discipline. And you think, well, why why does that really matter? I mean, we're saved by grace through faith, and you're right. What you weigh is not going save you. I mean, I know a lot of people that are in tremendous shape and they're going straight to hell. Okay. Because they got something else in their life that's out of control. It's whatever's in your life that's out of control. And this was one of those that I coddled because, because, you know, it was into that final refinement. And, um, and, and, and when you think about that, when people come up and say, well, what did you do? I say every time, well, you're not going to like it. Because you want to hear that I took a pill. You want to hear that um, I don't have to work out at all. I can eat whatever I want. That's what you want to hear. Kind of like we want to hear that about God's redemption. And I say, no, I have to eat better and I have to exercise. I can't eat whatever I want and I can't lay around and not do anything. Well, that's the same thing with our spiritual life, which is much more important. But I realized that a lot of my physical lack of discipline would also reflect that I could also have lack of discipline in my spiritual life. And if you want to be sanctified, there's no easy road either. I, I can't tell you the number of people after that we just put out this latest devotion. The number of people, I said it again today uh, to, to someone I love. I said, you can be given a Bible study and if, and if you think you can just sit it on about next to your bed or sit it on your desk and it's going to somehow jump in you, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to open it. I want to know more about the Bible. Are you willing to be disciplined enough to study it? No. Well, you probably won't then. I, 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 wish, I, I wish I could see God transforming me more. Well, how much time do you spend with him? Do you abide in Jesus? He said, if you abide in him, that's not some casual statement. If you abide in him, he said, then, and you connect yourself to me, and you and you make a decision to remain in me, and, and, and you act in accordance with me, I will produce fruit in you, much fruit, not some, because he's so powerful. And, this, and by this, my Father will be glorified, and it will prove that you're my disciple. It's just like I said and put it out this Sunday when I got up. I tell it to my kids. Embarrassingly, the pastor, when Sherry and I were about to get married, he said, tell me where you go to church. I said, I don't. He said, you, you, you're not part of a church? I said, nope. I said, but you know you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. He said, well, you're right. 
He said, going to church will not make you a Christian. But going to church should have show me you're a Christian. See, they, think about that. I mean, that'd be like me saying that, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out here and, and I'm going to win some race. And somebody says, well, have you done any training? Nah. I just think I can do it. God, God will put me to the front. So have you even run a mile? Nope. And you're going to run a marathon? Yeah, I think so. Well, we do the same thing in our spiritual life. We're going to run out there in a world that hates Jesus. We don't know the scriptures. Don't have any idea what people are talking about. We don't spend any time with Christ. Like I've said a thousand times when my wife was laying there in that hospital room, I'm so thankful that God woke me up. I, I, I would I wouldn't have known. I, can't, I don't even like the thought of me walking in there and her looking up at me and saying, tell me what God's doing, and me going, I don't really know. But I can tell you who won the football game this week, and you want to hear about the two offense we're trying? Some players we got coming in. We still tailgating next week, right? I got all that planned. I've spent a tremendous amount of time on that. I, I, you wouldn't believe how the deer are moving. Let me tell you what's going on with the rut right now. Hey, you know when I didn't catch any fish the other day? I, I found this new lure. And you wouldn't believe the fish I'm catching right now. Is this making you feel better, baby? Is this helping? You want to tell the kids coming here, want me to go throw, play, play, play catch with them? You know, Because I spend a lot of time trying to make them great athletes. I, I hadn't told them the Bible, but uh, but we, well, you want to do that? You think you say that's what everybody wants? No, what everybody needed to hear was the word of God. And unfortunately, there was a long time that went by that I would not have been able to do it. And God said, I'm going to prepare you for what's to come. And it'll be sweet when you do have it, but it's going to be real hard to digest on getting there. And this is what is taking place. We long for his return, Satan to be destroyed, the glorious kingdom of our Lord to be set up on earth in which he will rule in universal glory. We will be righteous. We will have only truth. We will have only peace. But you know what? There's the bitter part, and Paul talks about this in Romans 9, 1 through 3. And you know what he says? But we will, before he wipes away every tear, we will mourn bitterly over the judgment of the ungodly. Does this motivate anybody to start talking to people about Jesus? Anybody? But this is what happened next. So you know what, after seeing this, because keep in mind, this is a future event. But what does God say to John in 11? And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. John, you know now what's coming. Keep prophesying. Keep telling them. Your work's not finished. Now you know what's going to happen to those that refuse me. Tell them about it. Let them know. And you know what he said? Warn the people. Judgment is coming. I saw this happen. It was beautiful this past Sunday. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for this. All the stuff we get caught up in ridiculous conversations about denominational garbage. A guy sends me an email. He said, I, I, I was brought here for work. My wife has died, and I was there to see it. And as silly as this may sound to you, the dog that we had together, it reminded me of her, just died as well. And I found this show, and I started listening to you guys. And then I found the Bible study because I started listening to the show. I know nothing about the Bible. 
I know nothing about the church. And I know something needs to change. And my sister said, I should just email you and find out where you go to church. And I said, well, come, come this Sunday. I'll meet you out front. My wife and I teach a Sunday school class and we're teaching the next two weeks. And I said, um, just come. I had to carry stuff there because we were saying goodbye to a couple. So I ended up getting to church early, which was not normal. And he walks in 30 minutes before the class starts. He just, he didn't, he didn't, he said, I guess you're supposed to get there early. And we were able to talk for 30 minutes. He went into the class and the first week he heard us talking about Psalms 100, which is just worship of God. And he cried. I could see him crying on front. He didn't even have a Bible. He didn't have anything. So I asked him if he wanted to go to worship with us. And he said, I, I don't think I can handle that. He said, this is all so new to me. I'm so overwhelmed. I need to go home and just take in what um what I've heard here, this is all so new to me. I honestly don't think I could take it. I said, okay, that, that's fine. And I gave him the devotional transform. I said, look, this is, don't jump into trying to read the Bible yet. These are verses in the Bible, and it's Calhoun County commentary. He said, okay, all right. So, of course, you're supposed to read it once, one 10-minute devotion, 15 minutes a day. I check in with him. He said, I've read the first 12 pages. And I was like, easy, slow down, you know. And the, and he goes, I got a lot of questions. Man, I'm learning a lot. I got a lot of questions. So he comes back. Now think about God. He comes at, comes back for his second service ever in church. And guess what was in the curriculum for Sherry Dye to teach that Sunday? John chapter 3, the gospel. And we roll through that, and he gets the honor of hearing Sherry teach, and I teach too, but when you have Sherry there, it's like God's really trying to help him. So he's he gets emotional again, and I found him a Bible, and 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 he was like, "Your wife just kept going all over the Bible. I didn't know where to go." I said, "Well, just just stay in three, and and it's all it's just cross referencing the same thing." So I said, "How about worship today?" He said, "Yeah, I want. I, I think I want to go with you." I said, "All right." And uh, he said, "At the end, when you asked." us if we were ready to repent and we were ready to cry out for Jesus to save us and forgive us of our sins. I did that. I said, you did. That's great. I said, well, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep work. We'll keep walking. We get into worship. Gets down to the end. He saw some people get baptized during the service. He says, what? I said, yes. Yeah. So that's what we do. You show the whole world that Jesus has redeemed you. And I said, you ready? You want to do that? He said, is that what I'm supposed to do? I said, absolutely you are. It's the next, it's your first step of obedience. He said, okay. Will you go with me? Yeah. So I walked him down to the front, talked to the pastor. He's going to get baptized. I'm going to get a chance to baptize him. We go and sit down and talk to the elder, and this is my favorite moment. The elder says, so tell me your story. When were you redeemed by Jesus? just a few minutes ago. Not, I thought I was a little boy and everybody took me to church and I think I got saved, but I don't know. And I wavered away and I did this and I've never really read the Bible. And I know, I think I might be saved, might not be. I'm not sure. You know what he said? I was redeemed a few minutes ago. We never need to lose sight of that. We have the answer that the whole world's looking for. And we spend far too much time on things, frankly, that do not matter. And God taught me that lesson again this week. Don't forget individual people. They're what matter. And don't lose sight of that. Because judgment is coming. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the hope we find in you. Lord, I pray that just like... Uh, just like Jack, it just said, hey, I, I don't know what's going on, but I know I need something. And you were kind enough just to say, here I am. And if you're sincere about repentance, I'll redeem you. There may be others today, Lord, that need to do the same thing in the room or somewhere that I may never know about. If you're sincere and you just want to say, I repent of my sins, and I know only you can save me. 
then our Lord and Savior will redeem you. And the wrath of God will pass you by. But it's bigger than that. He also offers you a life that's not easy. He even says it's hard. But it's so much better than all the terror that sin has caused you. He's the answer you're looking for. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you need me, rick at burgessministries.com. Be happy to help you. Thanks for being with us.